Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Welcome to episode 59 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lowell. Peter Jones and Todd Widener are here with me today. It is the John Anderson episode. Thanks to Do You Rant for that suggestion, even though I don't know who else it would be. Like Peter said before we went on, maybe Wayne Simmons, but it's got to be the John Anderson episode. So, Peter, take it away. John Anderson. Yeah, super player career, you know, mainly in the 1980s. One of those guys that could easily get overlooked because of the period in which he played, but was one of the stars on some struggling teams, should we say, throughout that period. First round draft pick in 1978, same year that Lofton was a first round draft pick as well. So they're pretty good draft and later on in the middle round of that middle round of that draft Mike Maddow Douglas was also picked in that draft which is quite significant because in Anderson's rookie year towards the end of Anderson's rookie year he broke his arm for the first time and ended up moving from right right outside linebacker to left outside linebacker which is where he'd spend the rest of his career and Douglas would be the would move into the right outside linebacker slot 25 career interceptions which is Equals the same number that Ray Nitschke had. 15 fumble recoveries, um, more than a thousand tackles. So I think he's either second or third all time on the on the Packers tackle list. Led the team in tackles. I think eight in eight seasons. Had a hundred plus in seven seasons. So a super super player. Like I say, broke his arm in his rookie season and broke that same arm, the left arm, two more times in his first three three years. So to a degree, probably would have been an even better player had he not had those injuries, but was good enough to end up on the second team of the all-decade team, the NFL's all-decade team for the 1980s. Was one of those guys whose name could easily be overlooked, obviously a Packer Hall of Famer, just a super, super player in an era that wasn't that great for the Packers. Would that have been Bart Starr, GM at that time, who drafted Lofton? Anderson and Douglas? Yeah, it would have been. I mean, Bart Starr was known to be really not a very good GM on that side, or a coach for that matter, but yeah, that was that's a really good draft right there. Like, those three guys, you could draft all scrubs to, for the rest of the round to the yeah. NFL draft, and that was a pretty good draft for him. That would be Bart Starr's best draft because the, the, the following year, of course, was 79, was the year that he overlooked Joe Montana for three rounds. And then a couple of years after that, he chose Rich Campbell over Ronnie Lott in the first okay. round. So, oops, yeah, it's pro- yeah, yeah, indeed, it's probably probably the the, the best draft that Bart Starr had. It's got to be, you know, without yeah. thinking too much about the others, it's got to be that one. I just remember Anderson and the huge pad he wore on that arm on that arm. after he broke. I mean, that was just like that was like that's how you could always see where he was on the field. Is he wore that giant pad? 
And he had 25 picks with a yeah. broken hand or broken arm. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know he was that many interceptions. It's crazy. Great player. Thank you yeah. for that, Peter. Appreciate it. Should we move on? Let's move on. Thanks to Rhonda at RM Management and Dwight at DDGCustoms.com. Appreciate you. We are up to $390 in the shoe raffle. So that's cool. $390 for Habitat for Humanity. When's it um, end? You know, it's I put it for like December 5th, but I feel like there's no reason to keep going that long. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to run it for maybe two, three more weeks. Yeah. That way, if someone in the States wins it, maybe Dwight can get them done. They can have them for right around Christmas time. So there you go. So yeah. I think maybe we'll run it till maybe the first week in November. You know, maybe we can get to 500. I know we wanted to get to 2,500. It didn't happen, but still money is money. Habitat will be happy with the money we give them. And we cuss for charity. So every time you hear a quarter hit the jar, which we haven't cussed yet, which is an absolute miracle because we're like five minutes in. And every time you listen. So if you're listening right now, you just donated one cent to charity. So that is pretty awesome. Thank you for that. And Ty, why don't you start with the slices? Well, I pull my quarters out of the jar from last episode. You're just not prepared again. You just <laughs> more ill preparedness. I am not prepared today. I know this is an audio podcast, but I probably got drywall dust in my hair and shit. Oh, there we go. Now I'm cussing. There you go. Way to get started. Our boy Jennings and Tim Harris are going to be inducted in the Packers Hall of Fame. I think that'll be interesting because it'll be interesting what type of reception Greg Jennings will get in Green Bay. I'm sure it'll be positive. There's a few people like myself who just think he's a dick. So it'll be it'll be kind of weird. It'll be weird for me. I mean, it's Tim Harris, you know, no issue. I don't know. It'll be weird to see Greg Jennings coming back to Green Bay after, you know, kind of how he exited Green Bay. And how he's kind of yeah. talked about Rodgers in a sort of negative light, too. So, yeah, right. it should be interesting the reception he gets. Peter, any thoughts on that? Yeah, it will be interesting to see that, how that goes down. I mean, I think they're both very deserving. I thought Jennings would probably happen a little bit later just because of the stuff that's happened since he left the Packers. But, you know, f- over 400 receptions for the Packers, six and a half thousand receiving yards, you know, definitely deserving of 50 odd touchdowns. Timmy Harris, I think 55 sacks for the Packers. And of course he was playing right outside linebacker at the same time that John Anderson was on the left side towards the end of Anderson's career. And while I'm here, let's just mention Brian Noble and Johnny Holland were playing in the middle. So it's a pretty damn good force yeah. of, lo- yeah. of, lo- of, of linebackers. But we haven't seen that crew for that type of crew. <laughs> we, would, we would like, yeah, we would like some of those guys now. Some Mara of those guys right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they could play better than some of the guys we have now. Right. <laughs> but Timmy Harris is a guy that, I guess unless you were around in that era, is a guy that could easily get overlooked. But damn, he was a, a super, super pass rusher for the four or five years that he was with the Packers and then went to the 49ers and won a Super Bowl out there. I think people forget quite how good he was and how dominant he was on a defense that wasn't so good. The one thing that I think about is why did it take Tim Harris so long to get in the Packer Hall of Fame? I mean, yeah. he hasn't played since what, like the late, like 86, 87, 88, right in there? Maybe 90. Maybe I don't know 90. last time he played as a Packer, but Greg Jennings' career ended, you know, not that long ago and he's yeah. in already. But Tim Harris, it took a long time for him to get in. Any thoughts on why that is? I think a little bit of longevity, five, five seasons he played for the Packers. And I think the other thing, is that he didn't play on those championship teams. And I, and I think it, yeah. it just becomes natural to start picking out players that have won, like a Greg Jennings, 
you know, Jordy Nelson will go in in a few years' time. And I, and I think it, for whatever reason, I think it becomes natural that, unfortunately, that some of those guys that didn't play on championship teams just get, get overlooked. In an ideal world, should have gone in a few years ago. So it's very, very, very deserving. This one is interesting to me. It's non-Packer related, but Demora Smith. So Demora Smith is the guy that John Gruden had the racist emails about that he got caught with, with that whole Washington football team investigation. And I misspoke. I know this shocks you if you've listened to us before, but I misspoke last week. I said it was 65,000 emails that they looked through. It was 650,000 emails that they looked through. And the only emails they could find that had any racist or any, you know, anything wrong with them was the John Gruden emails. Come on. That's fucking bullshit is what that is. There is absolutely no way they looked through that many emails. And John Gruden was the only person that said something that might have been off color. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Gruden's brother coached over there in that corrupt atmosphere that's true right. is it jay jay yeah, gruden? jay gruden was the coach over there so i mean birds of a feather flock together i mean that whole place is just a cesspool over there but your point yeah i get it like six hundred fifty thousand, and you pull up only one na- well maybe they're just not saying other things that they found i mean basic uh, you know may- maybe they can't from a, a law perspective or something that they can't mention things and maybe maybe more will come out who knows? Dirty all around. Nonsense. There's no way that nothing came out of that investigation except for the one guy who doesn't work at all for the Washington football team. That didn't happen. Like I said last week, that's the NFL circle in the wagons. Um, I wanted the world to know that I am now 37,154th on the season ticket waiting list for the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> When I am 118 years old, I will be able to go to games with my own season tickets. That's not too far away, is it? I know. (laughs) I just turned 50, so only 68 years from now, I will get my season tickets. (laughs) How can you check that? Is there like, you got to log in somewhere? The Packers sent me a postcard that says you will never get season tickets, Dale. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sucker. You know how long I've been on that season ticket waiting list? I wasn't even married yet. So I was married for 11 years and I think I've been divorced for nine. So it's been over 20 years. I've been on the season ticket waiting list and I've moved up after two expansions to 37,154. You need another expansion to happen. I think they should maybe add 37,250 seats. Right. And then I can start going. All right, let's get on to things. I just wanted to mention first uh, just the pile of injuries and to kind of go through them if you guys have any comments for it. Man, there's there's a lot of injuries right now and uh, this early in the season. Some really key players at key positions. The one I wanted to mention first was um, uh, Josh Myers. He he went down, what was it? It was fairly early in the game, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. Um, first series. Yep. Was it the first series? I mean, that did not look good. And I, I believe he was coming in. That was his first game back from injury. I would have to assume it was the same knee, but I can't. Uh, I can't confirm that. But uh, the other ones were um, all the IR guys right now are Zadarius Smith, Rivers, Randy Ramsey, and I believe Alexander is on IR as well. And apparently, Alexander's there's been mention of a possible surgery. Apparently, it's getting 
evaluated every day? I, I think with, with Alexandra, it's one of those things that I think they're going to have to make a decision at some at, at some point. Yep. That, because if it's a surgery, it's probably out for the year, and they probably yep. want to do what well, they want to do that as soon as possible, so it doesn't start affecting next year. Myers, I think they're hopeful will be, be will be out for just two or three two or three weeks. You know, which would bring him back perhaps around the same time Bakhtiari comes back. So he started to practice today, I believe. So they've got three weeks to activate him off the pup list, and you would imagine that. In three weeks' time, he'll be ready to go. But he may not necessarily be ready to start. I think we just don't we just don't know what that situation is. But I think getting back Tiari back for the second half of the season, however, whichever game that is that is for, will be a will be a huge plus. Jenkins can move back inside, whether that's to guard or center, and and hopefully that offensive line can start to get start to be able to gel. Because I think having Having all of these injuries with guys flitting in and, in and out, and they've done a good job of it, and they did a good job of it last year. But I think that offensive line is all about, you know, how well those guys gel together, particularly in the running game. I think I've kind of jumped ahead, probably, probably there. I think the injuries are a concern both sides of the ball. You know, Preston Smith's injured now as well. We're going to have to see how how that's going to go because he came out of the game on on Sunday with Zadarius Smith already out. I don't know what the latest on Preston Smith is. I have seen or, or heard or it's heard. A, it's an ob, it's an oblique. I guess he's. Uh, I think Lafleur was was downplaying it, but I, I would really doubt if he'd seen him in this game. At least they shouldn't, because this is a game the Packers should win. So I, I don't think that Preston Smith will play. I think these injuries are a double edged sword, and I know they're negative now, but when they're five and one and they're shuffling guys around, what you get from that. If you continue to win, you get a team that's battle tested. Your second and third string guys are ready to go. So I think long term, MVS, Zadarius Smith, all those guys being out could be a positive. I, I don't want to look too far forward because the Packers play a very difficult schedule, but it might not be a bad thing if they can come back healthy. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so, so you get a couple of things, don't you? You get guys that hopefully well rested so that Bakhtiari's not going to play a full season. He's only going to play half a season. And then what you also get is a guy like John Runyon, who probably wouldn't have got the opportunity without the injuries and has been pretty damn good. Yeah, he has. Let's talk about that later. Let's start talking about Packers Bears. So I listened. First of all, my, our friends from Zero Doinks, they have the longest fucking show ever. Really? <laughs> <laughs> there, I, I was started listening. So I was working on. I got home from school. I didn't even go home. I just went to work on a rental property of mine that I'm selling. I was working on it for like an hour, listening to them because I wanted to listen to their bears' tears after this loss for sure. And I was like 50 minutes into it, and I looked down on my phone. There's an hour and 50 minutes left in the episode. Holy shit! What do they have to talk about? It's the Bears, for Christ's sake. Oh, man. Fuck. There's not that much to talk about. They're really they're really funny. And it's great to listen, especially when the Bears are losing. It's very entertaining. It's better than any talk radio you can listen to. So go listen to at, go listen to Zero Doings. They're great guys. And they always seem to be talking shit. They called me that they smell like moldy cheese or something. But whatever. <laughs> so I sent them that picture of Fat Bastard this morning. That's, that's what I was looking like when I... <laughs> Listen to their episode of their Bears Tears. But anyway, Packers 24, Bears 14, Aaron Rodgers with maybe the most iconic saying of all time in the rivalry. Awesome. 
absolutely awesome. <laughs> and better than that, that camera was right in his face. Oh, yeah. You could hear every yeah. word, every word yeah. of what he was saying because that cameraman was basically up Aaron Rodgers' ass. Before we start talking, I'm going to have Dwight make us all I still own you t-shirts. So look for that in the mail. Ooh. Peter, so you'll get Dude, your... That, I would definitely get one of those. You should have like a big championship belt around it too. I, I told him what I'd like to see. So Peter will get his, you know, 2023. You'll get yours a little sooner. Right now, Dwight is in Florida, so it's going to be a while. But yeah, he's making shirts for us. I, 20, 2023, the sentiment will still apply. It will. <laughs> yes, it absolutely will. So Aaron Rodgers says, I still own you, which is fucking great. Yeah. They fucking found the fib. picture of that lady giving him the finger. <laughs> really? On Twitter. Yes. Somebody like pictured her and circled it. Yeah. It was perfect. Classy. Yes. Stay classy. The best part of this whole thing is, have you, Peter, seen... I know Todd's not a big social media guy. Have you seen all the whining, calling Aaron Rodgers a racist because he's saying he owns people of color? Oh, my God. Jesus. <laughs> Get the fuck over yourselves, Bears fans. You know it's because he's saying because he's whipped your ass year yes. after year after year after year. And like I said on your show on Zero Doings, the Bears have not won a decade against the Packers since the 1980s. That's ownership. Yeah, the only thing I would say is I'm not sure that owning the Bears is the best of investments, is it? No. <laughs> the Arlington Heights Bears? Yeah, it's not a great investment. <laughs> we could be off to a 1-4 and you know four start going into that game, or an 0-5 start, and we win this fucking game. None of it matters other than that we beat the fucking bears. I just don't care. And cut the fucking grass at Soldier Field. Yeah, what is that? Get, get out of get a fucking lawnmower. <laughs> right. And get some people out there pushing. The fucking grass is like ankle deep out there. Right? It's like people are tripping over it. Trying to slow people down. Fuck, my, my, my dogs won't even go out in the back garden if the grass is that long. Right? They don't want to take a shit on that soldier field. Yes. I mean, it's always nice to beat the Bears. And it's really not a rivalry until things start to go a little bit more even in the series. It's just not. It doesn't even feel like a rivalry anymore. Back when the Packers were getting their asses kicked, like, year after year, maybe that's how Bears fans feel. You know, like, it's still a rivalry, but it don't feel that way. It's just another game on the schedule. People make it out to be such a huge thing, but if the Bears aren't going to win any games, it's just not it's not the same. Sorry. It is for me. I right. completely, 100% disagree. <laughs> Fuck the Bears. I don't care about any of that. Fuck the Bears. Uh, and I'm recycling. All right. And we're not even to the game yet. <laughs> so let's talk about the officiating. Peter, I know you're not a big beat up on the officials guy. That's usually Todd my job, but thoughts on on what's going on like it seems like it's a league-wide thing and maybe it's just because we've become so skeptical but i don't know what are your thoughts on officiating i think you're right about it being a league-wide game because it's almost every game that you watch i can't remember which game it was uh, i've watched a number of other of the other games it might have been the kansas city washington game but i can't quite remember where there was like 11 penalties in the first 13 plays or some something ridiculous on, on sunday it, it, so it's definitely a, it seems to be a, a league-wide 
situation. And you like to think that these things even themselves out, but they really don't because they come at different points in games and different points of the season. Probably the numbers even themselves out in how many go for you and how many go against you. The one on EQ was a terrible call. I mean, that was never part offensive pass interference. The Amos interception was an interception. I mean, that's yes. just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. I understand where the replay official was on that because I think it's one of those that had it been called an interception on the field, it would have stood. But I mean, it was just ludic- absolutely ludicrous. I just lost, you just lose track of it because you begin to wonder as you're watching games now that how many plays are going to stand. Yeah, it's just it's just crazy. And I, and, I, and I don't know why. I don't know whether it's, some of it you have to imagine is that officials have been instructed to call plays and call games in certain ways that we're not a party to. But whoever's running the officials is telling them you have to, have a special focus on this. And we know that they've got the special focus on taunting. You know, a couple of years ago, it was special focus on roughing the passer or particularly on Clay Matthews, I think, was the special focus. But, yep. but you know, it, it just appears that they're definitely being asked to call certain things more than, they, more than they have before. It's not so bad if they were consistent, I guess. I guess that's the, that's the big thing. You know, if it's pass interference, call it pass interference every time it happens. Not just because it's EQ. You know, you have to wonder if that had been Devontae Adams or one of the other top receivers from, you know, a Hopkins or a Julio Jones or, you know, the other top receivers are in, in the league, whether that stuff actually gets called and probably doesn't. Uh, I don't know. It's really disappointing because the thing that you worry about is that one of those calls is going to decide a game and it's going to decide a really important game. Well, well the game started with a penalty, didn't it? Very first play from scrimmage, it was a penalty. And I was like, huh? Already? <laughs> like, first play of the game? There was bad calls on both sides. Obviously, the one on St. Brown, th- that was troubling to see. But the, uh, you know, the free play, the, the Packers defense was clearly offside. <laughs> clearly offside. I believe Justin Fields thought he had a free play and lofted that ball to the end zone where Savage picked it off. I mean, heads up on Savage. For getting over there but that was a horrible call and then i think the other one was they, they called the bears for holding i think it was on lowry or, or or someone like that that was bad that was really bad i think that was in the fourth quarter when the bears actually still were eh, you know had down by two scores and probably it still had a shot right and they were driving and they had that call and put them out of field goal range or whatever but man that was that was really bad too so Bad calls all around. Officiating was terrible. And even on like some of the really like easy calls, they get like every fucking one of them together in a huddle. Like even though like the line judges, there's like fucking six or seven guys out there. I'm like, the fuck is everybody doing out there? <laughs> you know, it's like encroachment or whatever. It's fucking easy. You don't need six or seven of you deciding over that. I thought some of those calls was like, why is why is there like a conference going on at, at an easy call? You know, they just seem very unsure of themselves. And, and it was consistent throughout the game. Both sides were had some really terrible calls, I thought. You know, the one on Equinemia St. Brown, that was the worst push off in the history of the NFL. He had zero separation on that. If he pushed off, he really did a poor job of it. That was a really bad call, not only because they called it on St. Brown, but it should have been called on the defensive player. There's no way they were within five yards when that guy chucked them. It's almost like they got it completely ass backwards on that play. I mean, it didn't matter. 
But I thought, wow, it's so frustrating. It's like, you can't be that bad. And maybe they're just so gun shy to call anything now. They just don't know what end is up. Because like you said, Todd, like they're, that's offsides. The guy is like five yards offsides and you're getting together to make sure that you got the penalty call right. You got it right, man. Have some stones and just say that this is the call and go with it. It was that very first play of the game, the very first penalty. There was like six or seven of them huddled together. I'm like, what is going on? And then it was like that throughout the game. I think they did it like three or four more times. And that first play of the game, that kind of set the tone because you would rather, and I know they have this daft, unabated to the quarterback nonsense, but that was a free play for Rodgers. Yeah, very first, yeah. you know, yeah. their right end jumped offside. That's a that's a free play. Let them play. Because um, he was nowhere you know, near Rodgers on that no, play. No, no. I see that you have this in the notes that Matt Nagy is terrible. My only hope was that Justin Fields would be so good that they would just miss the playoffs and Matt Nagy would survive. <laughs> there is zero <laughs> chance. Yeah. There is zero chance. He's supposed to be this offensive guru, and it's like they don't show anything that is out of the ordinary. It's so vanilla. He sucks. And I'm, I'm here for it. So I love you, Matt Nagy. I hope you stay yeah. around forever. Yeah. And shitbag Petten up in the booth. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I saw his dumb ass up there. They had they panned the camera over there. Yeah, they had to have the one obligatory picture of Mike Pettin on a play yeah. that the Bears did something good on. Right. All right, so let's get on to the good, the bad, and the ugly. Peter, let's start with you. Let's start on offense. One thing you thought went well in our 24-14 win. I thought given the injury struggles on the offensive line and the fact that there weren't that many great gaping holes I thought that Dylan and Jones ran well they ran hard made guys miss as they always do you're thinking of that play that, that where Dylan broke the line and so for me the big positive on on offense was was the running of those two guys and I keep expecting every week the running game to break out as I said earlier I think once that offensive line gels I think the running game is is going to break out I think those guys are just on the verge so for me to see those guys running as hard as they are was my biggest plus on offense. I would have to agree. I think this was the game where you saw both Jones and Dylan kind of come together as a tandem, like really like as a tandem, as a as a solid backfield team that was just feeding off of one another. And Jones was spectacular. The numbers might not say it in this game, but some of the reads he was making at the line of scrimmage and the cuts, that's what you paid that guy for. That's That's why you brought him back. And then you know, Dylan, at the end of the game, he's just a solid runner that you can give the ball to, pound the ball, kill the clock. I think he's he's really starting to fit into his role. Lastly, I would probably say is uh, Billy Turner once again. Yeah, I think I said this about was it two episodes ago, two or three episodes ago. But even Rogers commented this week that that guy's headed towards a Pro Bowl season. The guy's a wall over there on the right side. So um, that's a great positive knowing that Bak- Bakhtiari is on his way back too. So. Those are my big standouts. For me, it's Lucas Patrick. Lucas Patrick is a guy that I wasn't sure he was going to make the roster with his salary situation. And he just came in for Josh Myers and absolutely nailed it. He just played a very good football game. The offensive line, despite having no Jenkins, I know Jenkins is in there now at left tackle, but no Bakhtiari, Jenkins out of position, 
rookie center, then replacement center, running with a couple, only his, what, second, third, well, it's his fifth start, right? He started every game this year. So he's solid as well. Six, six starts. Royce Newman, rookie. Yes, he's had some really ugly, ugly snaps, but he's played okay. And like you said, Billy Turner has been really, really good. Because to go back to Lucas Patrick, I didn't notice anybody getting pressure up the middle on Rodgers. The run game was pretty good. And most of that stuff is between the tackles. He's my MVP for this game, Lucas Patrick. It's just kind of surprising. Maybe it's that, that my expectations were kind of low. Like, oh, Christ, Lucas Patrick is going in at center. And he held his own. And he played well. So that's my good. What about bad, Todd? Start with the bad on offense. that uh, the replay of watching Tunyon, he just whiffed on that. He's just like he's like an aggressive looking football player when he's as a receiver, but you put him on, you know, down in the line or you know in a stance ready to try to block someone, and he is just avoids contact. I, I don't think he's like a contact guy at all. And it's like football one hundred one, dude. Yes, the guy probably outweighs you by fifty pounds, but like. You're like what two two sixty two seventy yourself. Like stand that dude up, it hit him, you know. And he just got obliterated. I, I can't remember what it, it was on the left side of the line where he's lined up, but I, I've seen him do that. It's it's not like the first time you've seen him do it. Have you regressed and gotten? I, I don't know. I feel man. like he wasn't this bad last year, Peter. What well, you do? I, I, the, he's not getting the targets. I think for one, the blocking is just fucking horrible, man. Tonyan as well, and I think that I don't know whether he's regressed. He's not going out and running past patterns so much. He's being held in to block a lot more, I believe, than than he's done before. And I think that's probably because of the offensive line, the injury situation. Um, he's helping out a lot more, and he's you know as Todd described, that's not his not his forte. And we saw the Packers use a lot of two tight end sets this past weekend. So Mercedes Lewis is getting more snaps now at tight end than Tonyan is. So I think, yeah, I think for me, Tonyan is the one that really appears to be struggling. Again, I'm just hopeful that, that as the season goes on, that that will work itself out. Tonyan will run more pass routes and start to pick up four catches here, five catches there, and and hopefully turn out to be the player that we kind of hope hope he would be after last season. I don't know where I read it. This is just going back onto the offensive line. I apologize. I'm skipping back to this, but I think the Packers are like in the top eight or nine offensive lines right now, as far as their PFF grades with run block and pass block combined. So that's kind of crazy considering who is playing (laughs) offensive line. Well, it'll be interesting to see when, when Bakhtiari comes back, how they shuffle that. Where does Runyon go? Does he yeah, go from the left side to the right? Yeah. Does he does he stay on the left and you put where's Lucas Patrick go if Myers comes back? I mean, there's a lot of good options. There's nothing there's nothing negative. So going back to the negative, Peter, anything that you didn't like in this game? It's for me, it's 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 asking the question really that we asked of Randall Cobb a few weeks ago. You know, where is where is Robert Tonyan? Where on earth is Robert Tonyan? Because asking that question a few weeks ago appeared appeared to do the you know have the great impact on Randall Cobb, who suddenly had his breakout game the following week. So let's just ask ourselves, where on earth is Bobby Tunyon? I mean, it's hard to see say that there is a lot of bad or ugly offensively because I thought the Packers played a good football game offensively, but I just feel like it's time to get other guys involved, like we said before. Let's move on to defense. The good. Todd's going to talk about Jonathan Garvin. Favorite player? I am. 
No. Fuck no. <laughs> he did have a sack in this game. What, I wonder which one they credited him with because there was one where Fields like stepped up into a you know I don't think he was even to the line of scrimmage and Garvin got him. He was. He run, I think it was one where he was running out of bounds, right? There was that one too, but there was another yeah, one. I, I Garvin sack. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of garbage sack. My guy Kenny Clark, two sacks in a row, right? Yeah, like I don't know if yeah, was it back to back? Yeah, it was back to back series for sure. He was hurt. I mean, you could you could tell he was hurt, especially on that series. When they move him outside, he is better. I'll keep saying it until the end of time. Where they're playing him and the way Joe Barry does things is good for Kenny Clark. And Kingsley Kiki, I think. Mm-hmm. No, having no one on the nose I, at times is a good thing. Two sacks and two quarterback hits in this game. Yeah, the D line is playing well. I mean, I, I don't. I never thought I'd be sitting here saying that, but they played well. They have been playing well, and I don't know who. I didn't do any research whatsoever. So, Razul Douglas, where did this guy come from? Because I thought he played a good game. I mean, much better so than fucking Yidam or. Jean-Claude Van Van Damme on the other side. Clark, for me, obviously obviously stood out. And I think the last three, four games now, we mentioned it last week or the week before, that Clark had been good the last couple of weeks, and he was really good this week. And it's nice to see him notch up those sacks and get the the stats that kind of support the way that that he's playing. It almost goes without saying these days that Devondre Campbell was, again, very active, Guy just does his job. And generally speaking, there's not a lot of fuss. He just makes plays. He's very disciplined. Where on earth has this guy been? You know, and it was nice to see Savage pick up that interception that that you guys mentioned mentioned earlier, just really because he got a little bit of heat for the play he didn't make last week. So it's nice, even though that was that interception was really like fielding a punt. It was nice to see him get that. Redmond wouldn't have caught that ball. (laughs) <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll take it, Darnell Savage. I mean, going back to that, because you said it before, you were talking about how he thought he had a free play on that. The difference yeah. between Aaron Rodgers and Justin Fields at this point was Justin Fields just threw that ball into the abyss. Like there was nobody around. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. you got a free play, but you should actually throw it to somebody rather than just throw it towards the end zone and hope someone runs underneath it. That was really kind of strange. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, I mean, I was closer to that ball than any Bears receiver. <laughs> From 4,000 miles away? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the ball he threw that Amos picked off, too, was a same idea. Like, where yeah. are you throwing that ball to? And again, I know he's a rookie, but wow, that was an interception. He really had two picks in this game. Anything else good they want to talk about defensively? Stokes was solid, again. I don't think I didn't see any pass breakups or pass. To, I mean, but he kept the kept the guys in front of him. He didn't let up any big plays. He is not. Know, he's got a lot of weight. No, uh, not good enough yet. But I mean, not good enough guy. yet. But him and Alexander, I, I think he's. I think he's almost moved ahead of King. I think so too. So, but Alexander being out, right? It'll be nice to have King back because I was. Wor- I was actually that was my biggest worry in this game, for the DBs. Or the lack thereof. Going to add about those DBs. I mean, you can get away with those injuries when you're facing the Bears' offense, and and hopefully the Washington offense this coming this coming week. 
But heck, you don't want to be going up against Patrick Mahomes in a few weeks' time with, you know, your starting corners out and this guy out and Preston Smith perhaps banged up, whatever else. That, that'll that be the test. How the fuck do you say his name anyway? I think it's Yannick. I mean, who cares? Who, who cares, cares? He even? fucking sucks anyway. So what's the yeah. yeah, he was terrible. Burning. At least they yanked him right away, right? They didn't right. take Yeah, they, they didn't play around. Out. Yeah. Surprised they allowed him to get on the bus. And drive back to Chicago. He was so friggin' bad. They should have just packed him at halftime. Yeah. Get the Pack fuck out of here. Buddy. Yeah. This is kind of interesting to me. So Razul Douglas comes in and pretty, plays pretty well. Basically, yeah. where, where is he from? He played in Arizona. I think I think they huh. picked him up off of Arizona's practice squad, if I'm not mistaken. Oh wow. He played well. And they yeah. picked up Quentin Dunbar, who I talked about last week. And they, the Packers cut Quentin Dunbar. They cut him today. So did they yeah. think they have something with Razul Douglas right away? Like, okay, this is our guy. But they kept Yadam. So <laughs> I don't know if all, yeah. those, all, those, all those things work, but that was very, really well, kind of um, Yeah. My guess is that, that, that Yadam stuck because he plays special teams. Black had a decent game. He had to come in for Savage. I thought they were going to abuse him, to be honest. I thought he He's was solid. Good. He didn't play terribly. He didn't play terribly. He didn't play great, but I mean, the thing for me, aside from Isaac Yardin, was again those the linebackers, the you know the inside linebackers. We've already talked about how good Campbell is, but Campbell being that good probably shows up the other guys who are struggling even more. To Chris Barnes and Yoram Burks, who are really, really struggling. Todd and I are probably going to disagree on this one. I thought Jalen Smith really struggled i'm going to give him a pass because he's only been in there a, f- a few days but what he's what he appeared to demonstrate to me was the reason the cowboys cut him he's running around there like like a jitterbug he's all he's all over the place but nowhere near the football in fairness like i say i want to give him a pass because that's his first game with the packers let's hope he's improves from last sunday let's just say that it almost was like he was trying to get away from contact that's what I felt like when I watched him. Like he's gonna try to avoid contact and not stick his nose in there. That was really, I don't know, kind of strange. I was I really had high hopes because he's an athletic dude, very much like Devondre Campbell, actually in his body type too. Like they are similar dudes. If you put the same number on both guys, minus Campbell's long ass hair. And he was a really good player coming out of college. And I know he had that injury and and, and everything else. Maybe there's a confidence thing there. Don't want to give up on a guy after after one game. Def, definitely not. So I think it's just something to watch and see how it goes over the forthcoming weeks. I love this guy. I might get a Smith jersey. <laughs> the I do. Digit nine. Hey, he's marinating. He give him a, cut him some <laughs> slack. I mean, he he just got he's just got the green pay for Christ's sake, right? You got to move your family up there and everything. Like he looks like an. I mean. Look, he, he's marinating right now. We know the talent is there. He's going to be in the same locker room as Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, two huge you know, veteran guys that he can look up to. Even Campbell can put him under his wing to a certain extent. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's a bit of a project, but I, I, think, I think all the tools are there. We just got to sharpen him a little bit. But When I'm looking at the stat line, though, Chris Barnes, one tackle. Oren Burks. One tackle. Jalen Smith, no tackles. Ty Summers, no tackles. Well, we you don't have to even mention him anymore. I'm just saying between the four of them or five that I just mentioned, there were like three tackles total. Jalen Smith can't not be an upgrade. I mean, I don't know. I mean, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's the the beauty of Jalen Smith is he's seven hundred and twenty thousand dollars. You can let him go. If yeah. he's garbage, you can let him go. It costs you nothing, essentially. Dallas is still on the hook for what seven mil or something, something stupid yeah. like that. That's their problem. If Jalen Smith can't play, bye. Time to go. We don't have to hold on to him and worry about any salary cap ramifications. Anything else about this Bears Packer game before we move on to the Washington footballs? <laughs> Plural. <laughs> the only other thing is that we can't let this pass by Bojo's 82 yard punt. Oh, we yeah. Let, we, York. We can't, let, we can't let an 82 yard punt pass us by. No. York. Yeah. And he just shrugged it off like, eh. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised it even bounced in that fucking grass that far. (laughs) I'm surprised it. I'm surprised it didn't fucking just die and stick in the grass. Cut the fucking grass, Chicago. (laughs) They can't afford it. They're moving to Arlington Heights. They're just gonna let that field go. Go to let it rot. Let it rot. That's true. Thank you, Peter. That's true. 82 yard punt. That's no J.K. Scott out there smashing footballs around. Love it. Love that. I was obviously a bit disappointed he couldn't manage to get it out of bounds, but what can I say? It's only it only a net, towards the sideline, but no. only a net sixty-two yarder. I mean, only dude, eighty-two yard punt. Nobody returned it. That's golden. Let's move on to the Washington footballs. Had initial thoughts on Washington. They suck, but we can't <laughs> we can't <laughs> overlook this game. I mean, it's it's going to be nice to you know get home. There's a lot of dudes either transitioning from uh, injured reserve, some guys who are banged up in our day-to-day. This is kind of good timing from that perspective where people like, do you have to rush back King in this game? Mm, Maybe, maybe not. Is it better to, to leave King out this game and have him healthy for Arizona and Kansas City who are next on the schedule? Probably. So there's a couple guys like that. Even Preston Smith. I, I don't think you should play Preston Smith in this game at all. Let the guy heal up. He's never missed a game in his career. I didn't know that until I looked it up. But Preston Smith has never missed a game in his career. So you you know that's on his mind, but we got to be smart. And this would probably be the game to do, do something like that in for those types of guys who are kind of like on the fence about uh, re- returning to full uh, – Full contact. So yeah, especially with that Arizona game. That's a Thursday night game, right? So they'll be yep. coming off a short week. So yeah, absolutely yep. agree with that. And then hopefully, I, I think game plan wise, gosh, I mean, not to look them over, but this is the type of game like let's get up on these guys, let's control it, let's run the football, let's kill the clock, and run the score up to a point where we can start to get some people in, like Kylan Hill. He should play. Amari Rogers should start to come in probably in the second half. And if love actually comes in and plays the last quarter or half quarter, that would be beautiful to get some of these guys out, run the score up, up their ass and hopefully get some of these guys off the field and some of the young talent on the field and and get some experience. It used to be that Washington's defense was what kept them in games and their defense has really been bad which is kind of strange. Like Chase Young was supposed to be the next coming of Lawrence Taylor or, you know, whoever. And he's fine. And didn't, don't they have like a defensive tackle from uh, Alabama? 
Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Allen. Talent on that defensive line where they should be putting pressure on the quarterback without blitzing, and that was their strength. And their offense, you know, whether Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to be their quarterback this year and or Taylor Heineke, you were counting on your defense to win you games, and they can't win any games with a defense that bad when they've got quarterback play. They have an XFL backup. I know that's kind of a hyperbole yeah. thing, but Taylor Heineke was an XFL backup. Two Was it two years ago? Whenever the last time the XFL played, he wasn't even starting for an XFL team, and now he's starting for the Washington football team. So I don't know. It's one of those games where I feel like it shouldn't be an issue, which makes me nervous all on its own. I totally agree. I mean, the, the, the defense is all over the place, and you're absolutely right. When you look at the players, particularly on the defensive line, you think they ought to be strong, and they were last year, and it just doesn't seem to make a lot of a lot of sense. You feel like, you know, looking at who they've got, that if you could tr- control Terry McLaurin, then, yeah, Antonio Gibson's a good back. But their line yeah, is terrible, but, but, too. Yeah. Their line's terrible, they don't scare you either on offense or, or or defense. Terry McLaurin aside, particularly given the Packers' corner situation. But yeah, it's one of those games that you, it's difficult to find a way that you think that Washington can win this game. Charles yeah. Leno is their starting left tackle. Former Bear Charles Leno is starting I left said, tackle. I thought you said Jay Leno. It could be Jay Leno. It might as well be Jay Leno. Charles Leno reminds me, like Charles Leno's been in the league forever and he sucks. It should be a huge day for the Packer defense. They should be able to put pressure on the quarterback and they should be able to stop the run. Yeah. There's just not a lot of talent. Sam yes. Cosme, your guy is, is starting at right tackle, I think. Cosme starts, but you can't do it all by yourself. And if he's at right tackle and not left tackle, when, if Charles Leno is starting at left tackle in front of you, that's not good. Yeah. If there is ever a game that you know the, the timing was perfect for the Packers to like kind of get away with it one more time with the cornerback situation starting Stokes as a as a true rookie and then probably going to start Douglas at the corner yeah. Yeah. I mean if there was ever a time in, in the schedule where you know there's like a continuation from from the Bears game where you could actually get away with it one more week and still win the game it's this week. Rest some guys up. You could probably get away with with whoever's on the field, right? As our as our number twos can probably get the get probably get the job done. Keep the guys off the field. The MBS and all those guys should not play, right? Rest them up another week. It's never easy. The NFL, it's just never easy to win games. So, but if there's ever a week that we could actually like get away with that one more time, it's this week. Yeah, the Packers' schedule is brutal coming up. Yeah, the, coming up, it's yeah. this is this is going to be a. Big like, test. Like you said, they come on short rest to play Arizona. That's a bad matchup at a bad time for the Packers. And yeah, the Chiefs are up and down, but you right. never know with Patrick Mahomes. That guy, they have weapons, and that guy can play. When he puts it together, their offense is unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah. Then they go Seahawks, Vikings, Rams. You know, who knows with the Seahawks? Will Russell Wilson be back? But to go back to this game. This is a game the Packers should win, even as beat up as they are. So let's go to scores. I'm going to go with uh, 38-14 Packers because I, th- I think I mean, we have all the necessary components to run the score up on this team early. You know, run it up early, you know, substitute some guys, run it out. So 
38-10. I'm sorry, 38-14. I think it's about a 10-point game. So I, I think Packers 27, Redskins, oh, Washington football team 17. I think on paper, the Packers should put up more points than that. But I think the offense has quite hit its stride yet. It, this may be the week that they do it. But I think if the Packers offense plays like it's played from week two to week six, I think they score around 30 points. And I'm going to say 27 a 27-17 for me. I don't know that Washington can score 20 points against the Packers. So I will say 38-17 Packers. I'm hoping it's not close. So like you said, Ty, we could just get out of there yeah. with a win, feel comfortable. In lieu of a blowout game and getting some some substitutes in and resting the starters, I'll take you know a close game with no injuries and a win. Wins are Either win. one, yeah. Because it'll be six and one. Right. And that looks good. Right. Right. Exactly. Just get it done. Because we have a brutal schedule, but the whole NFC North has to play the same schedule, right? So right. if yeah. the Packers are way out front, everybody else has got to play those teams too. So that looks good for us staying ahead of the Vikings and the Bears in the division. All right. So I guess that's it. Thanks for listening to episode 59, the John Anderson episode. And go Paco. Go Paco. Go Paco.